0: Hello and welcome back to the Shout Louder podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Williams, and today I am joined by Kieran Kelly. Kieran is a fantastic promoter who goes by the name Moving North. He's also in the band Throwing Stuff, and he is one of the organisers of Manchester Punk Festival. MPF is coming up this week, and as far as I'm concerned, it is basically Punk Rock Christmas, Uh, After the last two years as well, I'm just intensely excited to be able to see some friends who I've not seen in three years. Um, Although this is a little bit of an MPF special and we've timed it to come out just before MPF. So, you know, my hope is that you can listen to it while you're on the way at the festival. Um, Although it is an MPF-ish sort of episode, we don't just talk about that. We also talk about Kieran's experience as a promoter. He's been putting on gigs like punk gigs for 15 years. Just before the pandemic, back in 2019, he put on hot water music. We talked about the experience of that, some of the best gigs he's done, some of the most difficult gigs that he's done. We talk about the economy that exists around the worlds of bands and promoters and gigs and all that kind of thing. We had a lovely, lovely, lovely chat about all of that. And obviously, you know, we did talk about MPF in quite a lot of detail. Kieran gives us a behind the scenes view, particularly with regard to the bands and the biz, which is the bits that he looks after. Um, And yeah, we really talked about the kind of best and worst moments of the fest, the things that make it a little bit complicated and stressful. And just in general, I hope that this is the perfect way to get you geared up to get you excited and to get you ready for Manchester Punk Festival. I hope that you're coming to join us this week. And I hope that I'm going to get to see you all there. You will see me running around trying to see as many bands as I can. Um, And I'm also putting on a little bit of an event on the Saturday between 12 and one o'clock. I'm hosting a sober social at Sandbar. If you are sober or if you're someone who's interested in maybe cutting down on the booze or maybe you're just someone who fancies coming to hang out feel free to come and join us at the sober social um we're just we're having a little get together because we wanted to make a space for some of the folks whose weekend maybe doesn't revolve around beer as much as everyone else perhaps um but yeah it would be amazing if some of you came down to that i really look forward to meeting everybody if you see me please come and say hello um and yeah without further ado this is a fantastically exciting episode this is my conversation with kieran kelly from manchester punk festival moving north and throwing stuff Welcome to the Shout Louder podcast. I'm here with Kieran Kelly from Throwing Stuff and Manchester Punk Festival and Moving North. Woo! Welcome. Um, how are you getting on today? You all right?
1: I'm having a long day, a long Monday. Um, but I feel much better now I'm sat on a sofa drinking the green tea. So Excellent. I feel much better.
0: I'm very glad to have been able to provide an actual teapot full of green tea for us. <laughs> uh, like I say, normally when I'm doing podcasts, we're sort of sat there and people are getting gradually, gradually drunker yeah. as it goes through. And this is more my vibe. I'm yes, more into getting it. getting
1: gradually more hydrated and relaxed, <laughs> which I think is, is what I definitely need this whole month.
0: Yes, I think um, I think Mondays in general are too long, um, but we're right in the middle of the MPF cycle now. We're kind of, I don't know, you tell me, is this the most stressful time or was that earlier or later in the year? I think
1: uh, the weekend I was lulled into a full sense of security as we'd had our like final meeting and I was like, you know what, everything's in place now, I'm feeling yeah. pretty good about it. And then today has been like probably the worst day ever so far. And nothing in particular either. Just like, you know, when you're trying to like have a quiet day and actually do your day job or something like that. And then all of a sudden you have those messages from people that just pop in like every five minutes. Like asking completely fine questions. But once it's the 10th person reaching out to you while you're trying to balance this and that, you're like, oh, my God. And that's kind of. And that's kind of my uh, what my brain was saying from about midday onwards today. Yeah,
0: I feel that. I feel that. I feel as well, there's a lot of different messaging platforms and they all go off at the same time. Like, you know, you've got your WhatsApps, you've got your Facebooks, you've got emails coming through and then people are DMing you on Instagram and I'm just a bit like, uh... And I'll be sat there with my phone and my day job in front of me kind of weighing up like, okay, I know I should be doing this, but yeah. how do I it's it's insane how do you sort of manage to balance how do you manage to concentrate (laughs)
1: it's 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 very tough like sometimes i just use it as like when i want to have a break from from work i'll i'll just go into the other jobs that i've got to do yeah um but today it was like right going mental so i just need to turn like my phone off or put it in a different room and then get some actual work done and then come back but then it ends up creeping back into your office where you work and then you're like okay now the chat's just going and the mpf chat is, is like insane if you don't look at it for like an hour you've got like 82 news stories oh of every nth degree of something that could happen that probably won't happen but might happen and therefore we have to talk about it for about three hours at a time
0: of course i mean i feel i'm assuming that on the part of the shout louder listeners they've probably got a bit of prior knowledge here um but so mpf manchester punk festival it's run by three groups of promoters including yourself and there's also anarchistic undertones and tns records and altogether that's six people correct so you'd think that six people couldn't produce 82 messages an hour for most days of the year but i understand that is the case <laughs> it's,
1: it's you know, it's quite impressive we have a innate ability to overthink every single situation <laughs> and then talk about it to death yeah even though it probably won't happen or if one thing happens to one person at a previous festival we will talk about how how does that not happen to everyone like if someone like mm. blags in or if a band member has this problem and it'd be like well that's going to happen to every single person this year so why don't we just talk about it forever
0: yes absolutely like i feel like the tiniest i think the the reason for that and this is a good thing is that all of you as a group are quite conscientious
1: yeah uh, yeah you I really think, care I, about I, it yeah i think i think caring <laughs> is the uh, is the nice nice problem we have yeah cuz like i just want to make sure that everyone has a great time and like we want to put on like a insanely well run festival which i think we mostly do because of endless conversations like, like what we have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly biased, um, but obviously I feel that you do put on a very, very r- well-run festival. Um, well, mostly. Um <laughs>
1: before 11pm yeah. <laughs> very, very well run
0: I really don't know how you do it actually um, but I yeah I, I feel that you guys do a fantastic job but I just the, the finest details of everything I can't even imagine I've had a little bit of an insight into that because I've been working on the programme and I know that even if that sometimes I'll have a question about a very specific part of the festival. Like, you know, should we do these times for these slots on this part of the poetry stage or something like that? Or could we use this wording on this thing? And I'm afraid to ask those questions because I know how many things you've got flying at you.
1: (laughs) You'd be another different messaging out popping through. Yeah, yeah. But you you absolutely ask (sighs) because... everyone's input's great and it, usually it's better than ours
0: <laughs> I, i've started to get a little bit of runoff from that i get um i've had a few messages from people going to me oh, where where's my ticket how do i find my <laughs> ticket i can't fi-. it's the email right it's the name i think
1: yeah the email confirmation right yeah yeah which it says on the page where you buy the ticket so for anyone Note yeah, for yeah but i
0: think perhaps the problem is because a lot of people bought their tickets a long time ago now right they did. i mean when were the first ones sold in 2019
1: uh no 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 oh they Every- didn't roll over did yeah, they yeah everything's no. new for this year don't give me that worry as oh, i'm well. sorry i don't <laughs> having another thousand people show up thinking they can get in from 2019 <laughs> tickets you cannot do that um
0: <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so it, it, got, it got on sale like summertime last year yeah but then yeah you wouldn't have gone to revisit the ticket page but everyone that's bought it through us will get an email 24 hours ahead yeah of the festival with just it being sent out again so it'll be in the right place
0: do you know how that's going to work in terms of the resales as well i have no idea fair enough i'm sure that information will be on the website slash on the ticket
1: we've got we've got a big list of everyone's names that bought the tickets and if we've got hold of your name from a resale then tree's been a good boy and kept track and swapped it so so good there's a big old very up-to-date and clever list that is out of my control (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's fantastic so obviously i know booking is the main part of your involvement with mpf and you guys between you split the booking across the different groups of promoters what other areas do you feel that you're most responsible for
1: um
0: because everyone's got all these different little bits and bobs
1: i've got the booking i've got the beers so handling the uh hang
0: on so just let me get that right you're in charge of the bands and the beers yes yeah exactly. I'm, I'm
1: looking for a third b to add, to my, add so, to my portfolio so
0: the most important part of it exactly yeah.
1: like can't have one without the other um sober social coming up that's a thing um but yes yeah, so i was just thinking about today how i spent a lot of the day trying to figure out logistics of getting the ludicrous amount of beer that we have ordered for Ryder for the bands, including kegs for the backstage bar, into the union at the right time f- in order to disperse them across the other venues and how <laughs> are we going to sort that out over the weekend? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, so
0: there's... Do you know, I remember in the last festival, which I guess was 2019, Correct. I remember um, on the days of the festivals getting panicky phone calls because we've got, uh, so the, there's obviously there's you guys organising it and then there's a group of volunteers who help out as well. And I remember panicky phone calls going around going, oh my God, the bread shed have run out of backstage beer. Someone, someone jump in. And I remember cycling between venues with like a case of beer on the back. <laughs> like Just being like, oh my God, we must get some red stripe to this this place. Are you using Signature Brew again this year or?
1: We are indeed. Because we ran out of beer last year, on last time on the Friday. And then we came in on a Saturday morning, me and Bev, and we were like, we haven't got any beer left. Oh, shit. So And, like, Signature, we didn't have any beer left either. And we were just like, <laughs> oh, my God. So we like, ringing round, And then Freddie, who, where does he work now? Sambor. Sambor, yeah. He was like, um, I know the guy from Blackjack Brewery. So just send me over there with, like, the MPF card, essentially. Amazing. And like, I'll just get as much as I can and i guess that was what you might have been cycling around to quite possibly to yeah. yeah there so, was um,
0: there were definitely a flurry of urgent phone calls going we need to get beer right now
1: yeah it's not what um, you want on the first first day but we've learned from that and we've learned to not put all the beer out as a free for all on the first day ah uh, so to clever <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah i can see i can see how that would go wrong to be honest um, yeah
1: so we've got so this year we've got like a band bar in the union cool so all the bands across the festival can go there um, and we've got drinks tokens instead of just free for all pack your bags full of booze um to make it last a little bit longer so it should be should be it should be a good drawn out affair this year that's
0: fantastic well i'm really glad that you're looking after people in that way like we said conscientious exactly
1: yeah. like we spent a lot of time and a lot of bloody money on the budget making sure that everyone <laughs> that performs or is in crew has a hot meal has a couple of drinks yeah. like regardless of what stage you're on so yeah trying to treat people right
0: that's really really good yeah i just it's i always feel like it's great for the bands with mpf because everyone just seems dead happy it's really rare that you get people who have had a bad time band boys you know like most people who show up have a great show
1: yeah and i that, think the, the vibe in general at mpf makes it as well and that's like not really anything to do with us six, like everyone that turns up and like hangs around and volunteers as well, like the army of volunteers that you're a part of is just like the people that the general public see. Mm. And so you're all like lovely and buzzing and stuff and it just like <laughs> feeds out to the rest of them. So that's why the atmosphere is so good.
0: Well, I think it's just, yeah, it feels weather. like a, and the weather, although, oh, <laughs> <No. Okay. laughs> I've,
1: I've, re- I've read it as well. I've read it as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Should we not talk about the weather? Well, Every single year that I can remember from from MPF, it's been blazing sunshine in the middle of April, and there's showers forecast this yeah, year. Well, showers
1: forecast, but the weather's been wrong before.
0: Well, the thing is though, it's Manchester Punk Festival, it's Rain City.
1: Like I know, but it's never ever rained.
0: Yeah, I feel even like
1: the year that it wasn't on, it didn't June? rain.
0: I f- it's time.
1: I know. I we made the uh, we did the windbreakers yeah. for 2019, and we were like, are we like? Are we breaking like a good spell of weather by getting windbreakers? And it was really sunny then as well. Um, Sold
0: out of sunglasses on like the second day, I think. Exactly,
1: yep. we've got some sunglasses back for this year, but I've got I've got faith. Would you a heatwave at some point in April? So why not just? Well, it's, bring it it's, it's a currently bit.
0: pretty much snowing outside, so it's not know, great. Well, it's wet, it's but very yeah. wet
1: and horrible. For- fortunately for MPF. <laughs> You know, a lot of it's inside, so if you it want to watch indoors. bands, you'll be indoors and you'll be dry, and if you want, don't want to watch bands, you can be outside and maybe be dry. Yeah. TBC.
0: Well, that's it. Actually, no refunds. That, you're right, that is one of the great things about being at an indoor festival, you don't have to worry about sort of camping or anything like that.
1: No mud. No,
0: no mud whatsoever. Yeah. I reckon there'll be no a few like
1: topless, like doing a f- slide down the... Uh, <laughs> Down the middle of a field and then having to (laughs) walk around muddy all the rest of the day.
0: I remember going to, it must have been like Download 2009 or something like that. But you know, like Download every year, it was absolutely pissing down and you had all that. You remember that there's like a certain type of festival mud that you get where you're basically in a space that was a farm at some point. And it's been trampled by a thousand feet and it's just this waterlogged, horrible, up to your knees mud and uh it was exactly like that and i remember the first day there were a bunch of people like mud wrestling and my mates got involved and had a great time but then they got out and they were like right okay it's the first day and um i'm covered in mud and there are no showers so That's... we we had to hose some people down against a fence <laughs> 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 i don't know where we got the hose from but yeah that was a that was the thing that happened.
1: another tick for the city center venue festival
0: <laughs> bang on yes um <laughs> I tell you what, that's something for you. So you, you must have been to a few festivals over the years. Is there any that you've particularly enjoyed in the past? Um,
1: I grew up going to like Reading Festival because that was like, I lived in Peterborough and Reading was nearer. So wow. that was like my first festival. I used to go there, um, I guess from the age of like, 16 or mm. ho- however old you are when you get like your GCSEs
0: oh yeah it's um well Reading nowadays is like a GCSE party, passing party isn't it yeah like it's, uh, yeah I remember going to Reading in 2011 so I was a bit older and just looking around and being like oh Jesus Christ like these are actual children <laughs> I'm around <a> lot me. <laughs> <older>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> actual children are here yeah yeah
1: so like Reading was like the the OG one for me and then once I moved to Manchester I started going to the fest in Florida um you bastard i know, I know. <laughs> which is kind of like the whole reason like i got so involved and wanted to like do mpf is because it was just a, a kind of a rip-off of the fest i was gonna say. To so that's obviously a big inspiration to, yeah. yeah 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 exactly like walking around gainesville and like because it's like this the strip in gainesville i think university avenue is not too dissimilar to oxford road yeah and the fact that the way that they're both university driven places as well absolutely so like you've got venues like veering off either side good places to eat and drink either side like everything's walkable there's like good hotel placement along it for people that want to come and i was just like manchester would be great for something like this
0: i think that's interesting because i don't think there's that many other cities that could pull that off i don't think so i don't think there's i mean you could but it's Manchester's quite unique in the sense that it's like it's got quite a good scene, but it's also smaller and walkable. Yeah, like, like you can get across the city centre in twenty minutes.
1: Pretty yeah, much. and the fact like because we obviously used Sound Control in the first few years, which oh. was like three venues in one yeah. in the perfect location next to Gorilla, Zombie, etc. So the, the the festival site was in like a thirty second walk of each other. Yeah, which was a dream, and then obviously Sound Control is now. A block of luxury student accommodation, so that <laughs> that kind of ruined things a little bit but so lucky that the next venues that we like have to rely on aren't too far away either so now we use like yes breadshed, the union and then you've even got like if you want to use like the um, Deaf Institute or factory or something like that in the future. That would be there, so there. good.
0: Yeah, I've always thought that Deaf Institute would be a really good addition as well, but mainly just because it's really cool in there. Just the big <laughs> yeah. is lacking, is the big, a
1: big disco a ball. That's one thing MPF is lacking is a big disco. ball. A big
0: disco ball. I feel like that's something that you could probably.
1: Well, when we send out the post fest survey this year, <laughs> just whoever's listening, just make sure you write needs more disco ball.
0: Do you know it's bad? But I was um, on the post fest survey. You always ask what bands do you want for next year, and everyone says Slayer um obviously of course um but I every year say cap down every single year I want cap down and I was sat probably about an hour before you came round, listening to cap down and thinking bastards they've still not got them (laughs) that's all I want
1: (laughs) that that is that is one that we like we just try and like think about it and look into it every year and it just never never yeah. lines up
0: i mean they aren't a band anymore are they that's probably the biggest factor yeah they're not they pop up occasionally they pop
1: up for slam dunk yeah again. slam dunk
0: there's a couple of bands who only seem to reform
1: for slam dunk and it's like if you want to see Zebrahead and cap down <laughs> slam dunk is the one for you
0: <laughs> yeah i remember um there was a time when Lightyear popped up on that a lot as well
1: yeah And i was a bit well they have that sort of like just old scar stage i guess there like, was
0: one year uh, that it was in. Oh, I used to go to the Midlands one because that was closer to me than the other two. And there was one year where it had moved. It used to be Wolverhampton, and then it moved to the NEC in Birmingham. And for the record, fucking don't put on a gig there. It was horrible. Um, but they put the weird Scar stage in a car park, so it was the Scar Park,
1: <laughs>
0: and they didn't call it that. And I really always felt like that was really remiss of them to do. <laughs>
1: Note to self: if we want to book a mm. entirely Scar, we we never will. We never will.
0: So if you were filling out the MPF end of festival survey, what bands would you want that you haven't managed to get yet?
1: Um I
0: suppose, yeah. Dream Booking, who would you like?
1: Dream Booking, I think I've been saying it a lot, definitely recently, um, would be against me as like oh. the headliner. It'd be like the oh, pinnacle, like that's, I feel pinnacle like of my career.
0: That would be doable as well, surely, I feel. I mean, you know, time it, will tell. Yeah,
1: <laughs> L- lots of things feel doable until you start... <laughs> trying to actually do it like we've been trying to book a Wilhelm scream for like seven festivals worth of time i know <laughs> and now it's finally happened so like although it is doable you need a lot of things yeah. to line up um but like same with like we had propaganda which is like a bunch of the other guys favorite band of all time yeah yeah in our what third or fourth year
0: i mean that was such a huge thing as well I've, i mean i've talked about it on the podcast before as well but that was just such a personal win yeah like you know i just remember tree and how excited he was when he managed to land that but the same with wilhelm when yeah when it was ages and ages ago you put wilhelm but um and obviously it was well before it was announced as well It was months before it was announced it was booked and tree rang me and went sarah 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 fuck you cannot tell anyone this (laughs) i'm so excited and no one else is gonna oh my god um and yeah i was quite excited (laughs) yeah
1: and yeah i was buzzing and now they clash with Jeff Rosenstock. And I'm, I'm less puzzled.
0: Uh, yeah. Who? Are, so who are you in the? So the the big clash is Sunday night, which is Jeff Rosenstock, a Wilhelm Scream, and Roughneck Riot. Who's which camp are you in?
1: I I'm in Jeff camp. Oh, Jeff camp. I'm in Jeff camp. It mm. was it was a tough decision. Um. But I'm planning on watching a Wilhelm scream in Nottingham the week after on the Wednesday. Interesting. So I'm thinking about doing so that. So I'm planning on doing that, mm. which will free me up to watch Jeff at the Union.
0: I see where you're going with that. I really see where you're going with and that. And Jeff,
1: Jeff played like the best movie North Show of all time as well, when it was at Rebellion last time.
0: <laughs> um, where he played, he stood up on like, what was the bar, but is now the merch thing, I think, at yep, Rebellion. Which is, and he played Champagne Supernova on a saxophone
1: on a saxophone fucking hell it's just the video of it is so great cuz he just starts he's still playing saxophone to his own song and then he just seamlessly changes the tempo into yep. champagne supernova has the whole place going like mad for it and i was like i can't i can't miss this guy headlining mpf <laughs> like <laughs> like what a performer. What a back catalogue. I know. Like, I just... It's, it's got to be Jeff. Jeff o'clock.
0: I I, I can definitely... I, I can definitely understand that logic as well. I mean, Jeff... Like, there have been people th- this year who've been calling it MP Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's such a massive thing. Like, Jeff is just... I love that. I feel... Uh, yeah, I I, feel, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I nearly, do you know? I nearly we we kind of jointly did an interview with him recently, didn't we? For the, that's in the program for yeah. anyone who wants to read it. And in that, I ummed and when I was writing the questions, and I thought, shall I tell him that people are calling it MP Jeff? And then I thought. That's a bit stalkery and weird. I'm going to leave it out. I'm not going to mention it. Um, maybe I should have done. I don't know. I am um,
1: um, as soon as this happens, as soon as this is over, I'm going to email Christine, Jeff's wife, and their tour manager, and just let her know that please that's, do. That, that's the deal.
0: Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's just such a great thing. I'm, I'm so glad to see him on the lineup. I'm probably not going to be able to see him, um, <laughs> but uh, because of the most horrendous clash in the world ever. Um, Sorry it's okay Sorry. the thing is I understand the logic behind The Clash and that's
1: yeah it's like we only have X amount of space and if you put them both on in the same venue then everyone's going to go to the same venue the same reason we had to clash Propaganda and Iron Sheik all those years ago and both were absolutely Ramo so it needs to be done
0: it didn't do any harm to either of the bands yeah exactly. I don't think Um, yeah it's
1: it's not like there's a bad choice yeah like pick pick who you want to watch and just go with it
0: I think it's interesting as well because I've talked at length with everyone about the clashes and Tree in particular obsesses over them at length. I mean, he was telling me that he was working on it every single night for something like two weeks, just moving things around on the Clash Finder to try and get it to line up and work. It's a lot. And I'm sure you went through a lot of different iterations and stuff like that. Um, But the thing I find really interesting about it is how you wouldn't think that Jeff Rosenstock and a Wilhelm scream would be a clash, would you? Yeah. They don't sound alike at all.
1: No, but then that's from, But they are. Yeah, from do from doing MPF <laughs> you realise that clashes happen like outside of the normal like sort of like sonic clashes that you think of. It's, yeah, it's mad. And they're just like, Oh, why is that person like pissed off that they're clashing with them? Yeah. And it's just like they just they sound nothing alike. Like <laughs> oh, this Scar Band's clashing with this like crusty D beat band. Yeah. Oh what a bad clash. Can't believe they've done that. And it's like what? <laughs> but i
0: feel like that's been one of the great things about mpf and how it's evolved over the years obviously it started with your three different groups of promoters who all kind of i don't want to say specialized but it's different sorts of music is yeah you know you've got got different tastes and i i feel like they were quite distinct and maybe people only listened to you know one and a bit of those groups but now because you guys have kind of mashed it all together and put it all in one yeah I feel like you've made the clashes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Actually, now, now, you, now you put it out there, it is entirely our fault. Yes, it's only yeah.
0: you. That's the entire global punk phenomenon. you know,
1: I remember when um, we had Martha playing, I think before, Paint It Black, and people were like, and they were clashing with, I don't know who, but on another stage, and there were so <laughs> many people that were like annoyed that they were like, oh, I'm going to have to go watch Martha now. And it was all like, some more like old school punks. Yeah. And I was just like, I fucking love this so much. Yeah. Like, people like obviously finding out about Martha throughout probably through the MPF and then now like yeah I'll go watch them instead yeah. of this band that I've seen before and stuff like that just so good and <laughs> the exact reason we actually started MPF so people would go and watch different bands and check out new music all within a ridiculous umbrella of punk
0: that's one of the greatest things about the festival as well is being able to go and check out these bands you've not heard of and um you put out the band camp
1: we did. Which Better late than never.
0: You guys have done every single year, right? Yes. Well, not all in one, as one big massive list before, I don't think. No. No.
1: Yeah, we. Um, yeah, it took a while to get all of the tracks together this year and we were. Busy trying to sort out other <laughs> things, but um, it's, it's out, out now.
0: Beer, bookings. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> bookings, beer. Um, for anyone who's listening, I really recommend that you go and check out the Manchester Punk Festival Bandcamp page, because on there you can download a track from every single band that's playing the festival. And for me, that's one of the ways I discover new music, you know. I know that everyone on there, on there has got good taste, so... Like I'll quite often be like, well, okay, there might be all these bands that I like, but who else is on there? And months in advance, like in December, I think I made a playlist and thought, right, okay, I'm going to check out all the bands that I don't know, and then I'm going to listen to this over and over again in the background while I'm at work and see what comes out. And um, yeah, it's it's such a great way of hearing about new bands.
1: It's brilliant, and I I prefer the Bandcamp to the Spotify playlist as well because we've got both, but I listen to like the Bandcamp because it's like one song from each band, and you like you go through it and chances are you don't know like 70% of it because you, yes. you only listen to 30% of the festival. Well, you do, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, but, and then you're like, well, this is, this is great. I remember like one of the early ones, I, like that's how I found like Grand Collapse. Really? I was yeah. was just like, this band are fucking sick. And then like discovering him like throughout that and then finding new bands and new bands and like, oh, we're, we're onto something here. Like
0: That's great. Yeah, you do yeah. need to put
1: this in front of other people because it turns out you'll just end up liking it.
0: Yeah, it really, really works. I'm um, like, yeah, it makes me really happy as well. <laughs> Are there any bands that you've not seen before that you're looking forward to checking out?
1: Um, there, well, there was. I was really looking forward to watching TV crime, but oh, they but they've pulled they've that out. they fall out. <laughs> they fall out, so yeah. not them. Um, I don't think so. I don't think there's any first timers on for me. Um, but that's probably because I've been. Putting on bands for about well, fifteen years. But
0: also, you are booking the festival
1: and booking the festival. Yeah. yeah,
0: I feel like I mean, I don't know if this is the case, but I feel like for me, if I'm booking a band, I like to see them, and then I th- I'll watch them and think, "Oh yeah, I like them." I'll book them.
1: exactly. Yeah, so
0: yeah, there's a good chance you've seen them. That way around, I
1: like, especially with something like MPF and the sort of like community we have. I feel like you want to like suss them out beforehand mm. and make sure like there are people and like and they'll fit in and they'll understand the sort of like ethos of the festival. Yeah, like
0: so t- tell me a little bit more about that though. What What do you feel is like the ethos? Uh,
1: DIY, like, absolutely, we're very DIY, yeah. very community driven. Uh, like, we don't have any like outside funding or any outside sponsorships or anything like that.
0: No advertising,
1: no advertising, and we don't, we keep like, we try and keep the tickets as low as like humanly possible, yeah. which is like killing us. <laughs> uh, we, we're like, because we have to, like there's so many different charges that come with like running a festival, especially that w- when it gets bigger that now we're like working things out for future years. And we're like, this is insane. Like I don't so understand how any like businesses what, even operate.
0: What kind of things do you have to pay? Like like PRS and VAT and stuff like that? Or
1: Yeah. There's like PRS popped out of nowhere and we were just like, I thought venues did that. And like, and then so you like,
0: guys as the festival have to pay the PRS. Yeah. I thought venues did that as well. So
1: did we. Um, Is there
0: a point where it crosses over? Is there a point where it's the size of the event?
1: Uh, I don't know. I've left PRS in in Danny's capable hands. Why? Um, And just also because it was just too depressing to be... Well, it's not bands and beers, so it's not your problem. Yeah, exactly. It's not bands (laughs) and beers. So it's like too depressing to be throwing that much money at something that very rarely gets... um, yeah divvied out to the bands that actually earn it
0: well yeah absolutely um but yeah there's there seems to be a lot of these extra little bits and bobs that add up
1: yeah and especially now with like i mean it's same for everyone but everything's very expensive so yeah food's now more expensive than it was water beer like merch yeah postage like oh shit yeah petrol like everything (laughs) is like way more expensive than it was
0: Do you think that bands have put their prices up post-pandemic? Not that necessarily bands set their prices. You know, I assume that you make them an offer or, you know, know, it it works depending on the
1: band. I think it varies. Like, I don't don't think as much as, like, I feel the whole punk scene is kind of behind in terms of, like, general inflation. The fact that you still, like, people still expect to go to gigs for, like, £5. Yes. And, like, watch four bands. And it's, like no one can do that anymore cuz like no. venues are even more expensive now like we've like for this festival we've never spent as much as we have on venues like everything's like going through the roof so we're just trying to like balance it and make sure that like we can still try and continue the way that we're doing it without like just dying essentially
0: yeah i feel like um cost of venues is an interesting one at the moment like the thing is i would never begrudge venues for charging a reasonable amount Yeah. You know, and whether that is a higher fee or whether it's you're paying for the sound engineer, like I definitely don't begrudge venues or sound engineer anything like that. It's great that people are getting paid properly, and frankly, they probably should be paid more anyway. But it almost leaves this slight gap where you've got. I mean, I'm interested to see how you feel about this, really, as someone who puts on shows as well as the festival. Yeah. <laughs> but you've almost got... You can do gigs with, like, a reasonable size headliner who you know pulls and will pull in, like, 100 tickets or whatever. I feel like that's OK, because you can probably cover your costs there and cover the cost of the band. But when you've got those ones below, the interesting little gigs you have where there's four bands on and you've not heard of them that much... Yeah. and. You know, maybe it's like a hundred cap venue, but it's, and it's a Tuesday night. And those are gigs that we like to go to, but that's not as financially viable as it was for the promoter.
1: No. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then if you're like on a door deal or something, the band either, like, no, no. Cause if, if it's like, a, and every band's played that show, cause that's how you start gigging. Like you're like, can <laughs> yeah. I have a show? Yeah, yeah, cool. I'll put four other bands on it and we'll do it on a Wednesday night at Gulliver's or something like that. That's always someone's first gig. Yeah, And then the next yeah. time you come, there'll be more people, et cetera, et cetera. That's how it yeah. works. But if no one's, if no one can afford to take the risk on that first one, because now the venue's gone up to, like, £200. Yeah. And then you've got to pay this and you've got to pay that. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, and then everyone's stretched from their own sort of, like, cost of living. So it's like, when I was a student, it was like, yeah, I could, like, afford to lose, like, 50 quid on this show because it's just, like, student loan or, like, I had zero, like responsibilities or something yeah. and then people are now like, well I need that for eating and like <laughs> to make sure my car can put like have petrol that's it.
0: it it's really hard isn't it you know like being able to just afford the basic stuff yeah and in terms of that that kind of gap at the moment with those kind of smaller or mid-sized shows I feel like the only solution I can think of to that problem is to put ticket prices up
1: well that's that's it like but
0: then you put ticket prices up unless people come
1: well well you,
0: potentially yeah do we know that's it we
1: you put the ticket price up and you leave them the option of not coming i guess because yeah. I, I i did a little bit with moving north maybe a couple of years ago i off the back of like um mark stopford always was yeah. banging on about r.i.p um was always banging on about how everything's far too cheap like every time like he was with andy and bevy was like it's ridiculous you need to like be charging like 10 pound yeah. at least on the door because like two pints is more than that so like this is how much it should be. My
0: God, you're right. Yeah. And,
1: and this was like five years ago, and he was right then, and he's definitely right now. Oh,
0: he's absolutely right.
1: So it was just like started doing that, and it was like you it breathed in a little bit of like wiggle room into the into like how you can budget on everything like that.
0: That's interesting to think. I wonder if we can scale that. So imagine you know how much shows cost years ago. I've like I've definitely put on gigs that were like a quid entry or three quid entry or something like that. Yeah. But then how did that compare to the price of beers? it was
1: back then yeah Yeah,
0: you know so I think often a gig ticket used to be the price of a pint yeah you know Um, but then how did t-shirts compare to that it's like how do you scale all of it and we've all got these perceptions that stuff shouldn't cost us that much and also there's this weird thing that although we think that artists ought to get paid for their work we also want to pay as little as possible to go to a gig
1: absolutely
0: because because, oh music's for everyone so music should be free
1: I was thinking about that the other day actually because it was like (laughs) it's just pouring some more green tea there.
0: I'm very glad to see you with a teapot. That there. sounded
1: great. Um, <laughs> where were we? Mm. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about it the other day, and it's just like it's odd that I guess there's the sort of like gap between what you f- feel is worth, like the value where it is where it is. Like if you were asked to pay ten pound into a gig a few years ago, you'd probably be like it's, it's too much, but you'd obviously spend ten pound on booze there. Whereas if you bought like a 15 pound ticket with a free drink that probably would have been a bit more appealing
0: you probably wouldn't th- yeah because you feel like you're getting value from it
1: yeah but whereas it's just like to enter a room which yeah it's a bit of a i don't know a bit of a psychological barrier because it's like i just want to go in there so like when people like turn up late into a gig and they're like oh if there's only one band on can i just pay you like half and it's like, that's not the way it works.
0: Yeah, that's one of those. That, uh, uh, the thing is, though, don't you sometimes go to a gig late and that crosses your mind? And then I think, no, I'm not going to be a dick. Yeah. But easy. it always crosses my mind.
1: And, then, <laughs> and that's like, that's, um, I guess that's a sort of like entitlement that you feel, not as in like you specifically, but like all of us when you go in. It's like, mm. you, you already feel like you're doing someone a favour by paying to be into this room. Like, especially when you're paying on the door, yeah, it's so much yeah. worse.
0: You're absolutely right. Because
1: most punk shows, you do pay in on the door, and it's, here's my money to allow me to go into that room. Whereas yeah. if you do it through the internet in a month in advance, you don't even think about it. No. So if you sell a £10 ticket online a month in a- advance, it's seemingly fine. But if you ask someone for £7 on the door for the one band that's left, it's like... A travesty.
0: I think there's quite a psychological difference as well between paying with this magical mystery button on the internet and Absolutely. actually handing over cash, potentially to someone you know as well. And I think a lot of people don't... Like, I think, even in DIY, I think people think that the promoters take the cash out. Yeah, it's like,
1: am I paying this directly into your pocket tree? Because I don't, I don't want that. I don't want you buying an Audi on MPF money.
0: <laughs> there was a wild rumour <laughs> that you guys were... Uh, Um, wildly profiting Mm. from Manchester Punk Festival didn't you uh, buy a fancy new car yeah exactly
1: and that's why we've um, all quit quit our jobs as well oh of course yeah Yeah, we all quit our jobs and we work full time um, on MPF on uh, living wage Um, honestly like (laughs) if we did that it would be the right thing to do but we'd also be about 10 times bankrupt over
0: that's ridiculous isn't it oh yeah obviously I'm well aware that you guys aren't profiting off MPF (laughs) (laughs) um and the amount of hours that you put into it couldn't possibly you know if you even if you did take a bit off then like the hours you put into it couldn't possibly equate to anything like a wage um but yeah i definitely heard a rumor that you bought a second house a second house. Or something like that. Which, yes. Uh, purely with MPF money. And I thought that is
1: yep. staggering. That's really. it. We, we, we yeah. keep the ticket prices as low as possible to ensure that we can uh, afford second homes and second cars and things mm. like that. Something. Um, People are funny, aren't they? Yeah. When they, like when they just like start talking <laughs> about these things and then they get back to you and you're like.
0: Have you heard any other like wild rumours about MPF over the years that you thought, oh, where is that? Oh, there's from?
1: a good one. Um, uh, it was a few years ago. And it was that we were using all the profit that we made from MPF to put on, like, pop shows. Oh, yeah. uh, And then, like, kind of basically, like, laundering punk money through, like, pop shows to then make more money.
0: That's insane, isn't it?
1: It's it's very insane. And, like, how? I mean, like, (laughs) how do you even (laughs) arrive at that conclusion? But people seem to really enjoy talking about, like money and how it like same with the sort of like psychological thing about like paying into a show, it's like I think the money goes to you on the door or to like the company that's like put in on the gig. Whereas it doesn't, it goes to like four different petrol tanks to put like half amount of fuel in them that they actually (laughs) require
0: yeah sometimes you know you'll be getting a band coming up from like down south or whatever, and that like, you're barely paying them enough petrol money and now petrol's gone up
1: yeah it's like so, h- harker do you want to come up and support red city radio yeah. i've got 50 quid for you we're from Brighton, but yes, please. (laughs) And they come up, great gig. Like, no one's making any money out of that, but...
0: Uh, Do you know, I remember years ago, booking stuff and not even giving a specific fee, not saying 50 quid, but literally, I'd be like, oh, well, don't worry, we'll sort your petrol and beers, like, you're fine. And there wasn't even a specific amount attached to that because it was so little, you didn't (laughs) need to define it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I remember the first time I put on Boston Manor, I paid them, like, I think, £25 in coins. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh that is bonkers and i absolutely love it but yeah people like you know it's the bands that get paid and they you know i don't need to explain to everyone that they're probably not pulling a profit either
1: exactly and then i think and it's kind of like that sort of like unspoken agreement where it's like they know they're not gonna break even with this trip but like unless you're a full time band you're doing it as kind of a hobby but you obviously want to make it sustainable enough that you're not all just sinking all your disposable income into this band to the yeah, point that yeah. you are broke and you hate each other and etc all of that kind of thing yeah, yeah. no yeah. it's it's um it's someone
0: um, there was a gig I was at on Saturday I was over in Warrington with Andy and Tree and one of the bands I can't remember who it was and I wish I could credit them with this but they they were sort of saying you know you should go and buy some merch from all the bands that are here and stuff like that and they just went yeah that's how the punk scene works it's just one dirty 20 pound note that's just passed around <laughs> from person to person over a period of like 10 years you know that's it, that's it. we kind of cycle it in it's, this little it's, it's an economy isn't it yeah but we're our own economy Is you that? know and the, the fact that we don't buy into a lot of like these other bigger aspects I mean I'm sure there are plenty of promoters out there who aren't in the DIY seen who are making a profit who well <laughs> i still actually can't imagine how that works but yeah, it does happen but you know people who factor in their own margin on top of a band booking and you know you've yeah got,
1: when the bands like you pay to play so that exactly. obviously pays the promoter yeah. a wage to go and do that yeah something that punks don't do
0: exactly and that's the whole point that we don't do that
1: yeah and then some promoters will put in like a staff cost for themselves and like every gig i'm going to get paid a hundred pounds punks don't do that yes the money is for the bands exactly
0: yeah and you know i suppose it, yeah there's so many different things that it works differently in all these different you know other genres or different scenes and things like that and it does work that way but it's not how we fucking do it um and sometimes people tell me off for that <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes people go at me say you're doing all these things you uh are you making any money off of that? Yeah, and I'm like, no.
1: It's like when you tell like, your parents <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, NPF sold out this year. And it's like, oh, you're making loads of money. You're like, no, but I feel, uh, I feel good about myself. <laughs> I, I, I feel
0: um, that I've measured success in a different way. Yeah. yeah.
1: You can't put a price on what I feel in my heart right now.
0: I had a lovely conversation with my dad last night um, where we were saying about He was saying to me, yes, but that is important, Sarah. You should measure success in a different way. And that was after we'd spent probably about an hour on the phone. uh, And we were going through the Clash Finder and how that works. And we were going through, uh, (laughs) because he's coming. And so we did all of our planning. We were like, okay, well, I'm going to be here at this exact time. And I'm going to be here at this time. And I'm going to be here. And I might have time for lunch. Probably not.
1: <laughs> I can stand I can stand and watch a band and eat simultaneously.
0: Yes, exactly. Now I was listening earlier to the podcast that you recorded that came out earlier today. Was it Punk Rock Academy? The
1: Punk Rock Academy.
0: I really enjoyed that podcast and people should absolutely go and listen to it. Lovely but chat. I had to turn it off about three quarters of the way through because I mean, you were saying some wonderful things about your parents and how your father had been really supportive of you and had gotten you into punk rock. And I thought, I really relate to this. I feel like we've got a similar background in that sense. And, you know, I I love that. And then you said that Polar Bear Club had stayed at your parents' house and had breakfast. And I got up and was like, (laughs) fuck off, (laughs) Kieran.
1: Do you know how much I love that band? I miss that band.
0: Oh, my God. That was such an experience that I was just like, I can't, I, I can't. I hope that you've enjoyed it and you yeah, have a wonderful time. <laughs>
1: it was, it was very funny. Just, just, yeah. Bear club being like, we need somewhere to stay. I'm not even sure, Cause it was, I think it was before Twitter. Um, I, I someone, I guess maybe the guy putting on the show must've known me and was like, they need somewhere to stay. Yeah. To this 16 year old kid. And I was just like, uh. Hey mom, <laughs> do you want to let loads of like random, like early twenties men from New York stay in our living room?
0: You cheeky son. Yes.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> which, is a, which is a great answer from her but yeah that was a lot of fun so then, t-
0: tell me a little bit about how you first started putting on shows you know how, how old were you when, you when you put on your first gig
1: I did a gig through at sco- well kind of like mostly at school first oh one like of those sort of like year 11 mm. did you leave school at year 11 uh, year 12? 12 year 12 kind of like a year 12 sort of leavers thing so like uh, there are a few few bands from school so I was in a band of the late 90s uh, my friend Harvey Steele was in a band called the Harvey Steele's Band. Of course. And then there's another bunch of mates that were in a band called Deleuze. And then there's another one that I can't quite remember. It was four-band bill. Mm. It was called Don't Stand Still. And again, it was like four bands, That's four pounds. Um, on September the 11th, I remember the date well. A monumental day for history was, was that gig. <laughs> and then, um, again, like, just because no one was really doing anything in terms of, like, putting on events for, mm. like people in school and like loads of people came out it's on a Thursday like really busy yeah like and people like want to have fun when you're that age so I definitely was drunk so I'm not like sure how that works out um well you know UK law with the ages it's not an issue (laughs) um but yes I did that gig and that was um it just went really well so it's like encouraging for the future and I was like oh it turns out if you actually just get off your ass and do something then uh, you know, we've all got the same twenty-four hours in a day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get cancelled now, man. Boy, Kieran Kelly see, said this. I don't see Kim Kardashian putting on a punk festival. <laughs> there's your there's your quote. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that that went well. Uh, it was fun, and then I was really getting into like the sort of punktastic side of music. Oh, I remember the forums. The forums were that was a great thing. Great time. We used to spend a lot of time, a lot of time on there um made a lot of lifelong friends on there as well um and so then my friend geordie played in a band called sammy's fatal mistake mm-hmm. and now a great notion he put on shows in peterborough um and i wanted to put on a show for our time down here nice and like me and geordie agreed that we just do it together because he like knew the venue and like the backline situation and the pa and all the logistical I, bits that all confuse you bits. when you first yeah. start
0: doing these things yeah
1: and i was like well i'll book um i'll book our time down here and i'll book f bats which is like a ska band giles it was giles's yeah. old ska band um but they couldn't play Christ. so giles <laughs> giles ended up playing acoustic instead um and that like l- night literally like without an understatement changed my entire life by meeting like tim van toll uh james hole jugs bill Boer. And then just like let Those me. Those are some
0: big names in the punk scene, though. Big names
1: yeah. in Zubar and in Peterborough on wow. whatever day that was, Friday the 25th of July. I think that was what it was.
0: I like that you can remember these dates.
1: Um, Tom, who um, I think he was running Punctastic back then, Tom A. Lott, yeah, he yeah. actually designed the flyer for me from oh, really? over, over Punctastic. Cool. Um It was a pound in. Uh, <laughs> it was a super fun show. Um, we all stayed at Geordie's house after. Played a lot of Peggle. Have you ever played Peggle?
0: I recall Peggle.
1: Peggle, the... That oh, was a thing. What a game. What an, what an era. <laughs> what an era for UK <laughs> punk rock. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah did, did that show with Geordie and then off the back of that met a load of like the Norwich punks yeah. and then the like Lincoln punks and stuff like that and obviously knew quite a few people from London anyway. I
0: feel like back then as well there was a slightly stronger scene in like Norwich and that kind of way. Norwich was... That was heaving.
1: Fire, they had like Multiple gigs a week, that yeah. packed out at the Marquee, I think was the venue.
0: Yeah, the Marquee, which is now the B2, isn't it, I think?
1: That sounds familiar. Or something like that. Yeah, they... Like, I,
0: I could have my venues mixed up there, but I think that was... They the were show. having a great time. Yeah. And
1: same with Lincoln as well, mm. like, around the living daylights and stuff like that. I love those guys. Um. So, yeah, just, like, really great, like... And just a fun time bumping into, like, all these people that I didn't know. And then yeah. from there, it was like, well, I want to book, like... I want to put the living daylights on. I want to put like ducking punches on I mean, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And then Jugs was in like a few other bands at the time as well. Like one of like, re- I constantly lose tracks of,
0: of what bands Juggs has been in. Like yeah. sometimes I try to explain that and I, I go, Oh, you know, Jugs. I'm like, oh yeah. I uh, know. Can't remember any. <laughs>
1: like, Is he even in a band now?
0: I don't know. But he does Till the Wheels first now, which is a little bit like MPF downstairs. It south, is indeed by the looks of it. I'm
1: sure I'm sure he's busy <laughs> enough with that.
0: I'm quite excited about that. I'm gonna go this year.
1: I was gutted I couldn't go last year. Oh
0: Christ, I had tickets last year and um it, there was a wedding and it was like a close friend's wedding and I was like you oh, you bollocks.
1: That lineup was so great and I was just like I can't wait to go and then I was, just realised I'd organise like a trip wave with like my friends from school ah. at the same time.
0: I think uh sorry to interrupt your story there but i think actually last year was more difficult in terms of gigs than any year that i've ever 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 been in because coming out of the back of the pandemic you know you've got all this like everyone's really they've got the urge to go and see the bands and do all the things but also you haven't seen a lot like especially for us where we've got friends who are from around the country slash around the world and all these kinds of things you've got mates who you've not seen for a year and a half and you feel like you also want to spend quality time with them and i ended up doing a few things that um weren't gigs i went to social what? events that where there wasn't music i don't normally did you just do put that. your
1: headphones in while people were talking to you or how did you deal with it <laughs> i wish i could do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: sometimes but yeah you know i started doing like other things I, which is very strange I, I wasn't expecting that at all um
1: that, that's why we put tickets on sale for this year so early because we were like <laughs> there's like everyone's plans have been squashed over like three years into yep. one year so it's yep. like we need to tell people when it's going to be and like get the word out early so we're like hi please find some time in your calendars for, for this thing that you used to go to like three years ago
0: yeah remember this but mpf was one of the events that people really missed i think you know that's one certainly people talked about at length or maybe i just live in an mpf bubble where everyone talks about mpf all the time i think
1: it because it was like because it's in april it was the first event to be missed oh wasn't fuck it? yeah
0: it was i remember when it was all starting to shut down yeah that we were like we we were all kind of a bit like well is 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 MPF going to get cancelled is that going to happen and I I remember talking to Tree and him being like oh well no that's definitely not going to happen and then literally two days later he went fuck the festival's getting cancelled and I was like <laughs> yep
1: that's a, that's how that's how quick things moved
0: I remember having a meeting at work uh, where they and it was really early when they'd only just started talking about it before they'd even closed the bars and stuff like that um, and they sat us down and they said so what what are you thinking about this um there's this sort of pandemic thing happening and they went what do you think of that and i i remember saying do you know what i really think it's all just fucking media spin it's bollocks yeah uh and then the next week i didn't have a job yeah <laughs> i was like oh fuck. it came around quickly yeah. yeah things have changed um yes
1: yeah, i don't think anyone saw saw that coming in, in the way that it came and it's still still here so yeah it's
0: been quite nice to have a little break though in a way hasn't it
1: at the start yeah. i was like you know what because i like we were all pretty fried from doing MPF anyway. Absolutely. Like five years of doing it and then putting gigs on the side. And I was like, you know what? If this is like a six month sort of thing, I'm okay with that. And like, we can just take a little breather and then we'll like, you know, have the enthusiasm back after.
0: I remember, you know, we were talking earlier about the constant WhatsApp messaging. That stopped for a bit. I remember there just being this pause where no one, I mean, people were texting me, but not asking me to do things. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> there was a, yeah, there was a period where it all just went sort of pleasantly quiet. All of the work that we do that isn't work kind of
1: just... My phone battery Ooh. lasted so much longer. Oh, a good year.
0: Amazing. Um, yeah. So you did that first couple of shows and it revolutionised your life by the sounds of it.
1: It really did. It, um... So
0: what was the next milestone for you on that journey? Like, What was there? What was it about it that made you think, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this?
1: So I've done the one from school. And that was a load of fun, went really well, entirely my responsibility. Did the one with Geordie, went really well, had a lot of fun, met a lot of people. Nice. And I was like, this is kind of the road I want to go down. Like meeting people with similar interests to me, Mm. having fun and facilitating that by actually putting the gig on myself. Yeah. So when I moved up to Manchester. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. When I moved up to Manchester, uh, Adam and James started Leagues Apart. I
0: fucking love Leagues Apart
1: and I was just like <laughs> I was the, the guy the guy with Leagues Apart you so were that like guy merch guy the driver like whatever uh, and I was just like well I'm not very good at guitar or writing songs so I'm gonna <laughs> just carry on putting on gigs I'm gonna be that guy yeah so yeah. I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be the gig guy so that Leagues Apart can play shows in Manchester like
0: do you know I think there's a really I think a lot of bands have that guy or in my case that girl and I think those people are underrated they keep they things ticking over. Yeah, there's a lot of people in that position in the scene, and they don't have a place. They float around and they help out with things. And I want to just give them a quiet round of applause. Yes, it was. uh Yeah, bless those people.
1: You, you need you need them. You need those people. And like same with like MPF. It's like the army of volunteers. <laughs> like it won't work without them. Like <laughs> with you, big hands and calves, and sorting all that stuff out. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I I just think it's really fun.
0: Do you know what? I think there's something to be said there, and this is definitely part of DIY in general. But I just I really enjoy volunteering for things, and, and occasionally things that I've volunteered for have turned into jobs, and I've found that they aren't as fun when you're getting paid for them. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had multiple things that have turned into jobs, and I've thought, oh yeah, this is great. I'm going to get paid for this thing I've been doing for free. And then a month later, I'm like why is it that I wish I was doing this for free?
1: Yeah, it's like something's <laughs> changed here. And I don't like the fact that now it's become like a labour exchange.
0: <laughs> it's really weird, isn't it? I don't know what it is. There's something just really gratifying about giving up your time for something you love. Yeah. And, yeah. It's,
1: and like, it's same with like putting on shows as well, because it's like, it's never like always just me doing it. Well, no. Kind, kind of is a little bit now. Um, but like back then it was like someone would like either help me make some food or like, you give someone a place to stay or someone would do yeah. the door with you and all things like that.
0: Or like designing flyers. Design exactly designing helping, flyers yeah.
1: and things like that. So like you need a lot of these people to like tick it over. And this is yeah. just like the whole like friendship group slash community that is just like the punks basically.
0: Yeah. Well, I love it. It's made me all warm and fuzzy.
1: It was great. And then like the first show at Crowbar in March 20, 20,
0: 2010. ten. Twenty
1: ten. Twenty ten, yes indeed. Of um, course. Because I originally thought it was 2009, and then I ran a 10-year anniversary show for Moving I, North.
0: I remember the 10-year anniversary show, and that wasn't in 2020.
1: No, because <laughs> I got the dates wrong. I got the dates wrong.
0: Well, isn't it a good thing, though? Uh,
1: exactly. Because so, if you'd
0: tried to do it in 2020, it wouldn't have happened.
1: Correct. you so are doing it now. In hindsight, my terrible maths and running a 9-year, <laughs> <nine-year>, 10-year <laughs> anniversary gig was, was a great shout. My, my friend Chris was helping me with... Um, I did a little zine for it, and he was helping me with that. And he's like, he's a journalist, so he was like going through like the old stuff and checking dates. And I was just uh, in the gym doing some uh, rehab for my broken knee at the time. Oh, of
0: course, I remember that.
1: And uh, he was like, "Wait, when was that first show?" And as soon as he texted oh, me that, my I was God. like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh I know what this means." <laughs> and I was just like, I just went back through like the Facebook photos and found it, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's in 2010." oh shit and then, like the gig had already like sold out it was in like two weeks time and I was yeah. just like
0: fuck <laughs> was there a point in the journey where you felt like you leveled up like was there a point where you suddenly managed to book a band that you never thought you were going to be able to get
1: uh, that's yeah that's kind of happened like two or three times no, no. first was when like the Smith Street Band came through
0: oh, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god when I was they, obsessed with them for a bit.
1: Yeah, that first record was, was insane. And they were coming through, came through Star and Gutter. Yes. With, with, um, I think they were with Bear Trade because Lloyd. <gasps> oh my God, up.
0: that was such a good tour. Because I think Sorry. they came around with restorations before that. But it was restorations on the headline. I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my ticket book out when we stop. I think the that Resto's
1: tour... Because that was re- a s Restorations and Smith Street, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So that would have been after the bear trade one.
0: So for me, that was the time when I was going down to Kingston all the time. Yeah. I was down at the Fighting Cox every other weekend, which it, it was like a two and a half hour train ride for me. So that was quite some effort. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, was, maybe not that long, but yeah. you know, I was drunk, so it seemed like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and I remember going to see, do you know, I remember catching... Oh, oh, Actually, no, maybe it wasn't Smith Street. I get All those shows at Banquet kind of meld together a little bit in my head because they're, they're, yeah. Um, But I remember seeing Smith Street Band and it being possibly the sweatiest I've ever been. And I remember as well seeing Red City Radio, but they were doing like a matinee show. And they were, well, it was, yeah, early doors. There was like a matinee show and then there was another show afterwards, but they were sort of separate. And it was like, I am the avalanche or something like that. Okay. I'm getting all of this muddled up, but I remember seeing Red City Radio at like 4 p.m to you know in a tiny teeny weeny venue and now they're quite big really aren't they yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Like, um so yeah smith street band came came along like lloyd put me in touch with the guy that was booking their tour a guy called tom who's mm. um a booking agent and i was like oh i really want to do this show in manchester and he was like okay yeah fine do the show <laughs> and i was like sweet did it and it was like so fun like really yeah. packed out like they a lot of hype around them it's really fun and we we were living in a like a wicked house in Wally Range at the time. Nice. Like perfect for like bands staying around, like sofas everywhere, like good fun house. Um and then that started me like putting on a few of those like bigger <laughs> international bands. Um mostly through Tom who was the, the agent he'd booked for like yeah, the yeah. Flatliners and, and Menzingers and things like nice. that. Nice. Um and then creeping through there and then eventually fast forward ten, twelve years or whatever, or maybe ten years and then it was like, oh, hot water music are going to play at the Ritz. Like, do you want to put oh that on with Oh, my God. With... And then Cam was like, do you want to put that on with me? And I was just like, yes. Yes, yes, yes please. That was also,
0: that was like a really, like really, two. that wasn't just a big gig. Yeah. That was a huge gig. Like, so many people came over that because they were playing Caution in full.
1: They were playing Caution in full. I had
0: a friend fly over from Finland. To come to that gig, and we had um, yeah friends from Denmark came over from that. Oh, Rob it, came up from Guildford. I, I remember we all had this massive congregation before. Us. It was
1: like Red City Radio, Spanish love songs, and yep. hot water music. It was like two bands that I've been putting on in Manchester for a good few years, and then a band that like I never th- dreamed of like having a hand in like promoting. That was huge. Let alone in like the Ritz. <laughs> it was just like that's like the, the pinnacle. You're
0: putting on gigs at the Ritz now, Karen. That's yeah, a big deal. I,
1: I'm putting on gig at the Ritz now. <laughs> <laughs> gig,
0: yeah. I don't think the Ritz would normally be on my list of places to put a gig on as an O2 venue as well. That's like you know it's academy sized, isn't it? Um, I wrote a story about that gig. Oh, did you? I don't know if you. Uh, it's in Papercuts too. I wrote to. Was it? was it in paper cuts one it was in one of the paper cuts um but i wrote a a story about the gig not specifically about like i wasn't just like i went to this gig and some bands played and this but i wrote a really wanky story about how i felt like i was having a spiritual experience so yeah it was a beautiful moment thank you (laughs) um that was a that was a hell of a show well done
1: it was it was a absolute cracker i think Mm. it was on a weekend as well
0: have there been any other ones where you've looked back on it and thought, you know what, I'm really proud of doing that?
1: Um, the few shows that we did um, for Modern Baseball nice, were, like yeah, great because yeah. they like, put them on as like a third support on a tour package at Star and Garter like way back and then they like played uh, sound control in the basement and oh, they nice, like yeah. More people came to see them there and then they sold out Gorilla and then more people came to see them there. And then they <laughs> sold out Academy Two. Yeah. And I was like, This is the biggest gig I've ever done and then I broke my knee the week before oh, and course. I was like
0: Oh my god. I'm
1: just gonna sit at home in my flat while there's eight hundred yeah, people watching you one were of baseball.
0: Gigging around on crutches for quite a long time though.
1: Yeah, I did MP- did MPF on the crutches. I remember yeah. Played two sets in one day <laughs> in those crutches as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shit. Um that's yeah, it's nice getting to see a band grow as well and go through those bigger and bigger steps of venues.
1: Big time. I
0: feel like the Menzingers are the one with that at the moment because they've just got an, acad- an academy gig, haven't they?
1: Academy. Yeah, that yeah. they're like loads of bands like really want to like be famous and massive really quickly. Yeah. But like, it's, it's so much better doing like the slow burn that sort of like bands like um, uh, Menzingers and Joyce Manor. Yeah. Have both done where it's just like you play like a little higher up a venue each time you go by increments they did Tiger Lounge and then they did Star and Gar and then they go from there and there and there yeah yeah. and then you do Gorilla and then you're like oh shit where do we go after Gorilla we've just sold out Gorilla (laughs) and then you release an album like they released and it's like oh you go to the and that's how you do it yeah Yeah. and then you go to the Hall and then you go to Academy One I
0: feel like Spanish love songs are on that track at the moment. Exactly, yeah. They've stepped up a little bit, and they're kind of part way up that.
1: Yeah, I feel like sort of list. I feel for Spanish love songs and all bands that had that sort of momentum Mm. in like 2019, where it was like, oh, it
0: halted. Oh,
1: you're hitting, you're releasing this album, and Mm. this is a like 10 out of 10 record, and you are destined for like the next level. And then it's like, boom, you got to start your own like Patreon page to try and stay, stay alive.
0: (laughs) There's a lot of Patreons popping up.
1: A lot of patrons
0: yeah i don't i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either because i think that at the moment you can't make an awful lot i mean you can't get your vinyl done yeah and there's bugger all profit margin on vinyl anyway no one's buying cds where there is a profit margin where you can actually make some money i could talk about this at length and i'm not going
1: to.
0: <laughs> we've heard about your really good shows have there been any that went horribly calamitously wrong because that is way more interesting
1: <laughs> like, I'm
0: glad you had a lovely time booking hot water music, but have there been way you thought, oh fuck me, why would I do that?
1: Um, there's a, like, <laughs> there's always that sort of thing where it's just like, oh fuck, why, why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> but like, they usually turn out okay. In so- I think a lot yeah. of it is what you make of it. Yeah. Like if you just like if something goes wrong, you're like, well, this is going to be shit and just be miserable for the whole night. Like if you've only got like ten, fifteen people at a gig. Like some of the best shows I've done have been like. 15, 20 people. And it's like, Oh my God, this is mint. Like watching like sweet yeah. empire tear around tiger lounge. Like yeah. this is so fun. Um, but then there's like there's shows where just shit goes wrong. Yeah. So like, well, most recently was when I was putting on, I told you I'd eat you. at Yes. Last year in yeah. November. And I arrive at the venue at five o'clock. Yeah. And then three of, I told you I eat, would eat you were there. Three are not and three. You're not coming. What? Uh, Various transport issues and whatnot, which <laughs> oh, which I thought was going to be okay. Yeah, um, and then get there and it's like we our drummer, our singer, and our keyboard player can't can't make it. Fuck. And it's, it's like two hours before doors. That's. And I'm just like, that's oh. a lot of
0: members of the band.
1: That's a very important half of the band.
0: How did you uh, resolve that?
1: Um, <laughs> what well, so I I had an emergency pint. I was just like, cause I was, I was, it was quite, hang on, hang
0: on, bands and beers. Exactly, okay. exactly. I
1: was, was, I was having quite a stressful day anyway, trying to sort like backline because originally they was they were bringing the whole backline, yeah, and then it changed to so they can't bring the backline, so you need to find somewhere else. And I had three three locals on, including Chloe, who's just an acoustic yes, act. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay. So I rang um, Ian, who's in um, Clover Thin Ice, and I was like, I know I asked you to bring the cabs. Would you mind bringing? everything would yeah. you be okay with that and he was like uh yeah okay because people are nice um and then <laughs> so i was like right okay so i've got three bands it's too late to get another band yeah i'm just gonna turn it to like five pound on the door so and like everyone's got yeah, yeah. everyone that's got a ticket is more than welcome to come in and if you want a refund um i don't mind like giving you some money back if you want one like post to you. or something yeah. like you yeah um and like we had this band called Duvet on, who were like, uh, kind of like a, I guess a bit of a student-y sort of band.
0: such a terrible band. (laughs) Yeah.
1: They were so, so good, and like, um, kind of like a student band, but like, like pretty rock and roll, and they just brought like, tons of friends down. I think dropping it down to five pounds on the door, really helped. And so we had about like, 50 odd people in, and uh, Claw the Thin Ice played like, Probably one of the best sets I've seen them play. <laughs> Amazing. Like they even yeah. had to play like an encore because all the, like, these kids were just like, play more songs. That's so good. And it just turned out brilliant like in the end. And I think you can even be like, oh, just cancel the show and send everyone home. It was like, <laughs> Or oh, we'll just try and make the most of it and we'll just turn it into £5 on the door. We'll see what we can do at the end of it. And, like, and it, it was honestly great, like really fun in the end.
0: That's that's fucking brilliant. I love that. I love it when gigs work out like that as well.
1: Exactly. And
0: it's it's just really not. I mean, you must have done so many over the years because you've been doing it for over a decade, haven't you? Like, it. If uh, what advice would you give to someone who's maybe not promoting their first show, but they've done five and yeah. they're sort of going, oh, I think I know what I'm doing now. There's a, what advice would you give to someone in that position who's maybe looking to book more shows?
1: Um, uh, make sure that your priority is always like. The bands and like yeah. treating them right because people like recommend you for shows.
0: People remember, yeah, that. like
1: because yeah. like, the whole thing was like a lot of um, a lot of bands used to just, like, mostly tour Europe instead of like the UK. So like Living Daylights, Leagues Apart. Loads of like the sort of like East of England bands would always just try and tour Europe. Yeah. Because you'd get fed, you'd get watered, like it's the quite governments different. help them out with like gigs and stuff. So you get paid like hundreds of euros. You mm. get fed like beautiful hot meals, and you would stay at like <laughs> these brilliant like city center apartments that somehow these people live in in <laughs> Europe. And then I was just like, "That's how you should treat a band." Yes. Yeah. So exactly. Like, yeah. When it's like coming over for like moving north shows, I'd be like, "Right, well, want to make sure that like." I'm cooking like enough food for everybody, and then I want to make sure that like there's some beers around for people to have a good time because I know no one's got a load of money on tour. Yeah, and I think as long as you prioritise that, then word gets around that oh there's this good promoter in X place that treats you right and like lets you stay at their house.
0: I completely agree. Yeah, I I think that I mean I I, I don't know because I'm not in a band, but I've always felt that you know from a promotion perspective. You can do your best to try and get as many people through the door as you can. You can shout about it as much as you can. And sometimes that works really well. And you get loads of people in, it's slammed, everyone's having a great time. Sometimes there's a clash, something goes wrong. Yeah. So, you know, There's some other thing going on that you know. no matter what you do, you love this band, you've shouted about them, but you still only get 15 people through the door. I've always felt like even if that's that kind of gig, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of gig, like we said. It can still be really, really great. But as long as you've got a proper hot meal down here, well, maybe not hot. <laughs> like, as long as you've got a good meal down here, with some beers in you, I feel like as a band, you're still going to have a good time.
1: Yeah, you want to be like, taken care of. Like, the, yeah, third, yeah. the third move in North show was um, a band called Deny Everything. Yeah. Um, it's Deny Everything, Cutting Class from Leeds, Cold Ones from Liverpool, and The Working Dead from Watford. And it was in the side room of Satan's. In the, the crypt, <laughs> yeah, it was in there, and I think crime and stereo were playing down the road at the same time, oh, yeah, and, yeah. So, and something else, and something else. Not many people came, but it was like such a fun show. Um, we like Deny Everything, stayed at my like student halls after, and we had like a good time. There. Nice, yeah, and I paid them like the full guarantee. Like, my friend, uh, I remember Matt uh, used to play in Calvin Ball, he was just like, You've clearly not done all right here, have you? like <laughs> <laughs> like do you need anything and I was like I I could do with a little bit and he went to a cash point got some money out and like helped me pay the guarantee and then the band were like this is the first time this tour that someone's actually paid us the full guarantee like thank you so much
0: that's so nice and it's
1: just like and then like they're like so that was booked through like Jan who does like Yo-Yo Records and like he books for Iron Sheik and like now I book for Iron Sheik and things like that. See,
0: it's just those little moments though but because you've done the right by the band.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Word, like everything's word of mouth, isn't it? Like, Oh
0: God, absolutely. Especially like
1: in the punks, like if you need someone to stay when you're on tour and you put the word out, someone will be like, oh, can my mate's band stay with you because I'm vouching for them that you're sound and you're vouching for them that the person putting them up is sound. Exactly. It all works like that.
0: Yeah, I think that it's... And it's not that it's matey or clicky or anything like that, because I think that anyone can kind of join the circle if they want to, you know? And I think actually we're all really, really open to that. But yeah, everything works on this sort of word of mouth recommendation. Yeah, it's like, just
1: (laughs) treat people well and then it will come back to you at some point, which is Mm -hmm. not a really hard lesson to grasp. Um, But that would be like the the main bit of advice, apart from, don't do it, don't do it, kid. (laughs) 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 Welcome to anxiety. (laughs)
0: But you guys put on good shows and you can feel the love and all that kind of thing. And I'm so excited for Manchester Punk Festival. When I put this out, it will be ahead of Manchester Punk Festival. My dream is that people will listen to it on the way as they're travelling out. A traveling
1: commute up. in podcast. Yes. Like
0: it. I used to love those. Like it. Um, for those people who are coming to Manchester Punk Festival, let's imagine they're all in their cars right now listening to us. Either that or they're using this as like a sleep aid which is the other thing you do with podcasts. Of course, getting, a good,
1: getting a good good night's sleep before the uh, <laughs> before the first day. Yeah,
0: if we're uh, if we're talking to you just as you're nodding off to sleep, um, <laughs> what advice would you give to someone coming to MPF to make the most of their time?
1: Um, I would say try and go see as many bands as possible when you're like, oh, that band is playing over there, but it is like a 10-minute walk <laughs> and it is like 4 p.m. Make the walk. Just Just do it. Just walk over there and like try and if there's two bands kind of overlapping that you want to see do both of them like don't mind like dropping out after like four songs of one set and then going and catching like the last two of the other set chances are you won't miss anything in the um, like on one set and you will experience something new on the other one like that's like a big thing that i started doing um at mpf and now i do it at other festivals as well because it's like there's always clashes there's always overlaps but like It depends, like, if you want to just, like, do you want to see the band or do you want to just, like, stay in one place? So it's it's up to you, but just try and maximise your time and that. And wear wear comfy shoes is the uh, the main thing. Oh, God,
0: yeah. Sensible footwear. Yeah. (laughs) uh,
1: I'm bringing bringing the new balance out for MPF 2022.
0: I always used to wear, like, my Doc Martens. Uh, and there was one year that I actually had to tape up my feet because my blisters were that bad. And then the last year um, and I wore really comfy Nikes and it was fine. There you go. And I'm even I've put orthotic insoles in them. So they've got good arch support and I'm going to be okay. You know, <laughs> it's M- going to be alright. A-
1: MPF in your 30s. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't look punk, but it's fine. I feel
1: um, like everyone just does that now anyway. But
0: no, I feel like that's so important. Like the number of bands where I'll watch a couple of songs and then go and see the next band. That is a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there who will have printed out their clash finders. They've got them circled up. They've got them marked out. They've put them into a spreadsheet. They've laminated them. I know that you've planned what bands you want to go and see, but my bit of advice would be go with the flow. See how you feel. Like, yeah, you might want to go see that band, but actually, you know what? There's that band on over there. You might want to go check them out as well. Yeah, like,
1: and if you're hanging out with a group of people who are all really excited about Band X and you're like, well, go never, see I've never band. seen Band X. I'm just going to see Band Y for the 15th time. Maybe I'll go and see Bandex and like just just do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always find. And if they are shit, which they hopefully are not because we booked <laughs> them, then go back to Band Y and just say, why did I ever listen to you, Kieran?
0: Yeah, I uh, I often make strange choices where I think, well, my favourite band in the world ever is playing on that stage over there, but actually, <laughs> I've seen them before. How did go over here?
1: That was like me at yeah. the fest in the early days. But the opposite it was like, well, kind of like that. It's like oh, this uh, massive band that like never comes to England is playing. But mm. bangers are playing in this tiny venue Ooh. next to the venue, Ooh. and that's going to be a load of raucous fun. Well, there's no. I'm going to go the see them for the 15th Who doesn't time. go and
0: see bangers? Yeah, <laughs> one of the greatest bands in the world ever. Yes, yeah, so um, I've just gone
1: against my own advice there, but um,
0: basically, just go and see all the bands.
1: Go and see all the bands. Remember like, to eat. R- definitely make sure you find time to like eat throughout the day. Drink some water now and again because there's infinite pints around and whatever but just make sure you drink some water wear some comfy shoes I
0: I suppose I should briefly plug that I'm doing a sober social absolutely
1: (laughs) getting a lot of love rightly so on the uh, on the twitter sphere
0: I've been really surprised by that in a way I'm not surprised but I I think the thing is for me I've been um, whenever I've been to MPF previously I've been absolutely off my fucking face in a professional manner of
1: course (laughs) haven't we all (laughs)
0: Um, but you know, I've had a lot of fun, and this is the first year that I'm going to be doing it sober. And it, the thing is, when I first started doing stuff like that, I thought I felt like I might be the only person doing it, or I felt like I was the odd one out, or everyone else is there to get absolutely fucking wasted. You know, it's a big piss up, and you know it is, and, like, and that's fun and it's fine. But I just thought sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm on my own in that. And I know that other people feel the same. And then I thought, well, I think there's probably enough of us that feel like that, that we can get together. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I thought, you know, while the festival is this huge sozzle fest, I thought it might be nice to have a space that's specifically for people, not just who are sober, but who are, you know, maybe want to cut down or maybe they just really like, you know, Pepsi. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, they...
1: I want to see how you can, like, do a gig without having a beer
0: i think something that is really tricky to get your head round for some people but it comes really naturally and obviously to some people to others is that you know the world doesn't need to revolve around beer and your festival doesn't need to revolve around beer. it can it yeah. absolutely can and I, I i'm all for it <laughs> but but i think there that's is half something... my job sarah <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sorry.
1: Can't just do bands.
0: <laughs> I hope you've got some non-alcoholic beer on that rider, have you? We haven't. No. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'll cover that for myself. <laughs> I just wanted people to feel like they're not on their own and that there is a space for them. And if you maybe are a drinker, but you don't, you know, for you, the weekend is still revolving more around the band than it is about the beer, and the beer is kind of a bonus on the side, then come down and have a chat. We've um, got a little scavenger hunt that we've put together. Oh, really? Um. That is open to anyone, it's not remotely related to sobriety whatsoever, but we've done a specific. But the Sabre
1: people will complete it quicker.
0: Well, yes, that's it because we'll be able to see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've done a little MPF bingo of things that we think that you might spot at MPF, and we're going to have those on flyers for everybody. So we've Love got it. a little a little shout louder game that you can all very play. wise. Um, but yeah, it's been nice. We've had some really lovely feedback from people about it. You know? oh. We've had bands reposting it, and I've been like, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this because I wasn't sure if it was cool.
1: It's another it's another testament to oh. just fucking doing it. Yeah, like yeah. just do like if you like. Oh, other people might enjoy this as well let me just try and organise a sober social a gig X Y Z just just do it
0: yeah if there's not a space and for no, you if no one turns up and it's
1: shit then you won't do it again
0: absolutely also you know if no one turns up and it's shit it's fine because I'm yeah. having a really good weekend
1: anyway exactly and like <laughs> for something like that you're clearly like it's like important and clearly from the reaction like a lot of people are interested in it
0: I, I yeah and it's it's been really lovely I've been really overwhelmed actually because I ummed and and ummed and about doing it for ages and I thought you know what no one's going to want to come to this and it's not that cool and maybe it is just me and then I've had probably 30 or 40 messages from people saying I can't believe this Sarah I've been sober for like 10 years and people have always taken the piss of me for not, like, yeah. for, for not drinking. Like, we need more stuff like this. And I'm like, oh, this is really nice. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so if anyone wants to come, that's at 12 till 1 at Sambar on Saturday, which is just enough time that you can still go and see Darko almost immediately afterwards, which is where I will be at 2 o'clock.
1: They're kicking things off at the union.
0: Fucking right, they are. Goddamn right. Very excited about that. Um, this has been absolutely wonderful. I have one final question for you, which comes from Tree and the other MPF organisers. FFS they would like to know on the record what is more important to you <laughs> mpf or your wedding <laughs> <laughs>
1: um it's it's definitely the wedding
0: <laughs> yes it's thank you that the is wedding. the right answer it's definitely the wedding
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the wedding which is why the wedding is like second two weeks after mpf is like the warm. oh
0: mpf is the warm-up yeah. you're right it's like the um uh yeah like the support act
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, MPF is like main support to my wedding. Perfect. Yes. Exactly. Well,
0: I think you're going to have a fantastic month.
1: If I make it through it.
0: Possibly fantastically stressful. Yes. Um, definitely but, that. But I'll. Uh, but yeah, so anyone who's out there, if you see Kieran wondering about the festival, give him a high five and a beer, please. He's going to need it. But do
1: not talk to me. <laughs>
0: Or ever message anyone. Yeah,
1: no eye contact. Just hand, <laughs> hand the beer hand the beer over and keep keep walking.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank um, you for
1: inviting me along. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit here, drink a green tea and, and have a little chat.
0: Any time. And uh, I'll see you down the front. Damn straight. <laughs> oh, I did enjoy that conversation with Kieran. That was a lovely way to spend an evening and a lovely way to get prepared for manchester punk festival Uh, listening back to that do you know i think i'm more excited than i was and frankly i really didn't think that was possible Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you. I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing the bands. I'm looking forward to seeing the people. I'm looking forward to just the energy and the community and like the atmosphere that you get at that festival. It's really something that I've missed. And just, oh my God, fingers crossed that nothing goes horribly wrong between now and then. Hopefully not though. As we mentioned, I'm hosting a little Sober Social at MPF. Uh, it's going to be on Saturday at Sandbar between midday and one o'clock. You don't have to stay for the full hour. It's just a really casual drop in, have a chat thing. We've got uh, some little flyers with us with a little game. We've got an MPF bingo game that you can play. So come and check that out. And so you don't have to be sober to come along. It's just meant to be, you know, it's an opportunity to hang out with a few mates. But it's we wanted to make a space for people who's weekend doesn't necessarily revolve around beer and I've been really surprised but people (laughs) have been really into it which is cool and makes me feel included and makes me feel happy so that's really nice we have done loads of MPF prep over at Shout Louder Um, if you head to shout-louder.com you'll be able to find our top 10 recommendations for bands that you can go and see I've also done several other podcasts with bands that are playing MPF including Forever Unclean last week Um, so there's plenty that you can go and do to check things out I tell you what I highly recommend as well that you check out what colin's punk rock world are doing (laughs) they've put together a 60 band preview uh, of some of the acts that you can go and see and colin and i honestly have probably spoken about mpf every single day for at least the last three months and probably at least once a week before that you know we um we're just we're both massive music nerds uh and (laughs) there are spreadsheets there are laminated clash finders. We've got all these things planned that we're going to do. Um, unfortunately, we also have very different tastes, so I might not actually see him that much over the weekend. But yeah, please do go and check that out. Please check out whatever we're up to over at shout loudercom um, and check us out on socials and things like that. We are at Shout louder Zine. Um, there is also going to be an episode of the Seabin podcast, which I would totally recommend um, because it's going to have me on it and I believe that will be out Tomorrow, or at some point this week. So, yeah, we, I'm coming on the C to talk about Manchester Punk Fest as well. It is, in fact, the only thing that I can talk about, I think. I'm quite looking forward to May so that I can choose another conversational topic. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us today. Um, thank you. Yeah, just thank you, thank you all, thank you so much. To close things out, I'm going to play a track from one of the Manchester Punk Festival headliners, one of my favourite acts, one of Kieran's favourite acts. Although, god damn it, they are the most. Uh, this is the one of the worst clashes I've ever seen. On Sunday night, they have Jeff Rosenstock playing at the same time as a Wilhelm Scream and Roughneck Riot. That is going to be the big question of the weekend. Which one of those are you going to go and see? I think. Wilhelm Scream might take it for me. Do you know what, though? I think you're going to find me at Roughneck Riot. So excited. Either way, this is a track from Jeff Rosenstock. I'm going to play Scram off of his album No Dream, which I hope that he plays this Sunday. Oh, my fucking God. As if it's this week. I'm far too excited. I will see you down the front.
1: I've been told for most my life Wait until...